Thanks so much for downloading the Nightcap podcast. We appreciate the support and we'd love to know that you are enjoying the pod. And now you can become a proud member of the Nightcap podcast tribe. Along with our weekly catch-ups and up-and-coming series with more amazing guests, we've created some bespoke Nightcap podcast clothing, which you can get online now. We've teamed up with our friends at T-Mill to create t-shirts and hoodies in various sizes, colours and fits for both men and women. Yeah, we chose T-Mill for several reasons. They make these clothes with 100% natural materials using organic materials that are better for the environment. They use the sun and wind to power the production of these products, plus they will send you your order in packaging made from plants not plastics and the best thing is they look great and they feel great you can just tell their quality so there's no knockoff merch here yeah it's as simple as this go to thenightcap.tmill.com that's thenightcap.tmill.com to order your nightcap podcast merch now enthusiastic crowd there that was enthusiastic this is the podcast equivalent of a soft launch at the beginning for a little bit of context i'll explain who we are and what we're doing but everyone that's listening to this welcome because in the usual place every week paul and i chat and discuss all things culinary over a couple of beers normally and uh, this will be released next week so thanks to everyone for downloading as always uh, we're here at Big Festival 2023. Super exciting. My name's Simon Alexander. I'm a podcaster, producer, and daytime cooking show contestant. To my left, Paul Foster, Michelin right, yeah. star chef of Salt and Grass Fed Now, yep. which is awesome. And our guest, <laughs> our guest today is uh, a man we've wanted to have on the podcast for a long time, actually, and it worked out perfectly that he could join us today and, uh, and get involved and ha- share a few sharps with us. 2021 GBM finalist winner, cooked at the banquet. Multiple award-winning chef, Mr. Duke Karima. How are you doing, Duke? You okay? Welcome. Thank yeah. you very much. Thanks for having me. Oh, you need to flick your switch. Flick your switch so we can hear you. There we go. We did flick it on earlier. Is yeah, nice. Good? There we go. Yeah, but, you're yeah, on. Thank you very much for having me. And, uh, yeah, what a pleasure. And obviously, a big festival is uh, such an amazing festival. So, and to be with you guys, what could be better? Exactly, man. You've done this a few years in a row now, right? Have you been here before? Big festival. This is my yeah. third year in a row. And uh, I'm pretty sure of. Uh, people see me dancing around. It's not a pretty sight. It's normally... <laughs> we'll about, see that later, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> it's normally at closing time. Uh, outside uh, with, you know, Alex James. There we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice. Um, just for a bit of context for people that are listening uh, to the podcast later, can you give us a really quick, brief summary of, of like how you got to where you got to, down cooking mm. in Kota in Cornwall, beautiful restaurant. Just give us a tiny bit of your backstory so we learn a bit about you and, and where you're from. Well, actually, it, it all started uh, many years ago in New Zealand, and uh, I'm a Kiwi, but I've been over here now for 27 years, and uh, I actually fell into cooking, strangely enough. I was doing psychology and sociology at university, and uh, I was 18, and in New Zealand, you can't drink to your 20. Back then, that was. <laughs> this is, you know, after the war still. Or you look at me going, well, how old is this guy? Uh, since then, it's now 18. Uh, so we, you know, to earn some extra money, uh, I worked at a hotel uh, doing dishes. And I think um, yeah. this is quite often how chefs fall into it. And uh, I really, it was a big hotel. There are three different uh, kitchens and a function center. And um, I just love the action, the passion, the camaraderie, uh, the banter. 
But also, being only 18 and you, you couldn't go out, uh, I had all these lovely waitering staff who would take me under their wing and say, oh, let's take baby Jude out and take me out and out to the clubs <laughs> and get me in there. And it was the first time I felt like a real adult and also I felt like I was part of a clan. So that's how I got into cooking. Uh, the executive chef said, look, you know, uh, you seem to be enjoying what you're doing. And they, they give me more and more prep um, jobs as I went along. And, uh, and he said, look, why don't you, you know, think about being a chef? And that was my epiphany. I thought that was amazing. And I couldn't wait to ring mum and dad and yeah. tell them that I was going to be a chef. And uh, <laughs> so I got home, rang mum and dad. And I said, mum, dad, you wouldn't believe it. I know what I want to be. And they were so excited for me. I said, what are you going to be? I said, I'm going to be a chef. Mum cried. Dad said, <laughs> Tears of joy or what? <laughs> no, the opposite. Uh, Dad said, absolutely not. And I said, look, just let me have a chance. I think, I, I, if, give me a year. And if it doesn't work out, then, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll go back to university. As it turns out, uh, I think them saying no made me more determined to be a chef. And uh, so I wanted to be them wrong. So basically working up the ranks in the hotel very quickly, went to different restaurants, just trying to make it brief. Worked yep. for Simon Gott, who was the best chef in New Zealand, who was uh, just one chef of the year, restaurant of the year. And uh, as all Kiwis do, we get a two-year working visa. I was a sous chef at that stage. Um, and then uh, I was 24. And what you do is, that, you know, if you, the next stage is to travel, isn't it? And yep. try and learn more about cooking. Mm-hmm. Came over to England with a real fantastic idea. I've only spent two years in the UK and Europe, you know, checking out the uh, good food, cooking good food, doing big, huge hours. Uh, anyway, and I was going to go back home and open up my own restaurant. Within three months, I met uh, an English girl, married her. I'm still here 27 years later. Oh, so there we go. <laughs> that's incredible. Did you have much of a perspective of what Cornwall was and meant to people in Britain at the time before you came over from New Zealand and sort of like it's... Yeah, reputation and all those sorts of things? Yeah, well, I, there, there are lots of different reputations. At that time, <laughs> yeah. the reputation for food was awful. Really? Uh, so this is, I'm talking about 2004 when we opened uh, my first restaurant. was a smokehouse down there. Yeah, there still uh, wasn't a lot, was there? It was just London for England, really, back then. Absolutely. Yeah. But one thing I knew is that when I was a kid, I, I was reading a series of books called The Dark is Rising. And that was, I was a little kid in, in New Zealand devouring books. And uh, it was about uh, these kids that went to Cornwall to visit their uncle and ends up, he was Merlin. They all had these special powers. So for me, you know, um, always, Cornwall always had this sense of mystery and magic and somewhere I always wanted to visit, uh, you know, growing up. And when you live in New Zealand as a little kid, you don't have dreams, of, you, don't, you don't travel very far. You might go to Australia across the ditch. Yeah. You don't go much further than that. And so, Going to Cornwall was really a dream of mine, and it just so happened that the girl I met, um, unfortunately my late wife, she, her family are from Cornwall, and that was one of the first places I visited when yeah. I was here in the UK. Loved it, really? absolutely loved it, and fell in love with it. Um, and uh, the, uh, we actually put in a couple of bids in a couple of places. Um, I don't know if Paul Ainsworth knows this, but we put a bid on a little place in Middle Street in Padstow. We really? Got outbidded. It was, it was this uh, blind bid. 
Yeah. My wife and I thought, this is going to be perfect. This is what a great <laughs> little place. Got outbid by bloody Paul Ainsworth. No way. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's in this consortium. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the mafiosos. Heavies, the heavies came in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're really a mafia back then, but hey. <laughs> uh, and then we put, uh, we're looking at a place in Bude. Uh, in, in Wymouth Manor, which is beautiful. I don't know if you guys been to Bude. I've never been. I've heard about yeah, it. I've yeah, I've been. It's it's a beautiful, long, beautiful beach. But then I didn't want to be known as Jude from Bude. <laughs> That's <laughs> tough. That's a tough. That would have been yeah. awful. And then uh, we just happened to be in a drinks party um, in uh, in Cornwall between you know Christmas and New Year's with with some of uh, my late wife's um, parents' friends. And they said, look, aren't you guys looking for a restaurant in, in Cornwall? I said, yeah, we are. I said, wow, there's a place in Port Lem called The Smokehouse. Amazing. It's my daughter's best friend. It's coming up for rent. You should have a look at it. I thought, I said yes, politely. But I thought, there's no yeah. way I'm going to go that far down. Yeah, I mean, it's really the, far down. It is so far. The next <laughs> stop is bloody New York, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so we, we, we traveled down the next day. We thought, well, give it a chance. Have a look. Begrudgingly, I went down there. And I bloody fell in love with it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it's a beautiful place, though, isn't it? It like, is. Stunning. It's stunning. It was a very different place back then. It's very, very... So wh- when did you open? We, um, so I took over the smokehouse, renting that one in 2004. And we had that for a year and a half. And then we bought Coda. Coda came up for Freehold, which was amazing. We, we, when you moved down to Cornwall, when we moved down, we didn't know they were going to be there for forever. Yeah. And so we thought, a release a place first see what it feels like and whether the Cornish are going to kick me out or not because you never know. Yeah, yeah. You never know. <laughs> uh, you rub them up the wrong way, you, you're definitely out. Yeah. Um, you'll be on a little, in a little black sack off the end of a boat, basically. <laughs> and uh, so after just about two years, we thought, you know, we love this place. And so we got Kota in 2006 and then we opened up Kota Kai in 2011 and that's it. That's, nice. that's the story. Yeah, as small as you can get. Nice. That's pretty incredible. We, I came and ate Kota in 2018, and it wow. absolutely blew us away. Obviously, I didn't meet you at that time, or sort of know too much. Went in slightly blind, to be honest. But I yes. absolutely, you know, it blew us away. And the setting and everything just has the the charm of Cornwall, that that little pocket of the world. It's worth going that extra bit further down, <laughs> isn't it? For all Thank those things. Thank you. Wow, I don't need any advertising now. I've got you. Exactly, man. <laughs> yeah. Audi rates pretty, Thank you very pretty much. good as well. well. You should have introduced yourself. I would have gone, yes. <laughs> yeah. Come um, on in. We, uh, we, often on this podcast, we always talk about uh, topical things or things going on sort of in the kitchen. And we thought it'd be a good point to talk to you about underrated and overrated processes and ingredients in the kitchen. So we talked about a little bit on a couple of recent podcasts with Paul. Yeah. But it's got a lot of legs and there's a lot of things that fall into that bracket that maybe people, especially elite level chefs, don't actually talk about very often. So... If we talk about firstly, should we, what do you reckon, over or under first, Paul? What's the I think o- over's always more interesting. O- yeah, over's it's, always a t- it's a tough one, though, isn't yeah, it? I mean, it is, yeah. Because yeah. It's, it's a chef's perception. And yeah. I'm not a chef, okay, what but do you want about? That's what we want to know. That I yeah. wanna, like, from your point of view, what are the most overrated either ingredients or processes or things on menu? What do people love that you can't stand? Yeah, that's yeah. a good way uh, of putting it. I mean, it's a difficult thing, isn't it? Uh, you know... Heinz ketchup. I hate to love it. How about that? That's well, a discontroversial one. You hate to love it. Because I do love it. Because uh, I okay. tried to make you know, our own ketchup many years ago. And I thought the, the ketchup was delicious. All the adults loved it. But kids, as soon as they looked at it, or even didn't even dip a chip in it, <laughs> they'd be like, 
this isn't hide. <laughs> is that away from hide. a bottle though, or is it like looking at just some sauce on a plate? Yeah, Even, yeah, exactly. It's yeah, not yeah. in a bottle. No, no, no. Um, wow. And uh, so we gave up on that years ago. And so trying to make your own ketchup. Yeah, when, when I was at Sats, we made our own ketchup for this lamb dish, and Sats' secret ingredient was a bottle of Heinz ketchup. <laughs> <What's> <laughs> so we spent wow. ages making this uh, tomato fondue, cooked it down, a real long process, and yes. it was beautiful. And then we finished it. It was about 10% tomato ketchup in it. <laughs> that is outrageous. I love that, I love that they're not... Like, Don't give our secrets away now, Paul. <laughs> it's embarrassing. You know, ketchup goes in a lot of things. Well, that's just... Well, this is the thing. No, but you should be transparent. We've talked about... Like, we'll pro- it'll come up in more detail later, but an underrated one for you is Marmite. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah. One, it's oh. just and, so much. And you don't want to try so and recreate things. it, do you? you no, just, you don't need to make your own Marmite. Yeah. Well, no one's got time for that. No, you can make your yeast extract, and it's about what you get out of it. Mm-hmm. You know... They've already got it all there. It's it's an amazing ingredient, and you can it's that umami that we all crave. Oh, exactly. But the amount of people that hate marmite, and then I'll tell them, oh, that scallop's been finishing marmite butter, or that chicken <laughs> has, and they're like, oh, oh right, oh okay, yeah. <laughs> like judging you because yeah. you should know better. So, <laughs> yeah. that's ridiculous. Um, what about like I mean, even fish and seafood? Are there any like trends that you see like people? Like price often goes up for certain fish because yeah. there's a fashion around them. It's not necessarily about the taste of it or like the, no. the quality of the produce. I think but it's quite difficult being a chef because what we do is we try and utilize. Well, first of all, it's about sustainability for me for seafood, uh, and uh, unfortunately, when we use things that are sustainable, we make them trendy. So people yeah. start yeah, yeah, yeah. utilizing so them again. And but that's okay because there's plenty of fish in the sea. Sorry to use that one, but there are. <laughs> Uh, and they are very, very underrated. And really, for me, it's about the process. Now, I had this question from a Finnish friend, and uh, they said, why in England don't you get that whole fish? You've got so much seafood in Cornwall. Why don't you get that whole grilled fish yeah. like you do in the Mediterranean? I said, well, actually, to be honest, there's a bloody waste of an ingredient mm. because what we do with the fish, we use the fillets, we use the bones, we use the scales, we use the tail, we use the cheek. You know, when people see a whole fish, mm. they just take from the, the, the fillet and then they waste everything yeah. else. Yeah. yeah. And it's not necessarily always it. their fault, but they don't know what they're doing. So they just sort of hack it. Yeah, they could be a bit intimidated by it, some yeah. guests, can't they? And I, even as a chef, I hate round fish mm. whole on my plate. I yeah. just hate picking it apart. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, you know, but people, I mean, it's, it's a lovely thing to see a whole fish, but if only if you can um, utilize the whole thing. Now, I had something that was amazing a couple of years ago. Um, there's a restaurant called Fellow, and you guys know ah, Fellow. Yeah, yeah. yeah we talked uh, about they're amazing, times. absolutely yeah. amazing. Now, these guys, so they, they, they had their pop-up restaurant on Hedden Street. Yeah. And did you go with I never days? went there. I've only been oh. to the Piccadilly one. Yeah. It was amazing to see this really small little kitchen and what they could produce from there. And then they've gone on to doing something amazing in mm. their restaurant in Haymarket Street. Uh, it was at St. James Muse, isn't it? St. James Muse, yeah. Beautiful. But... um. Back then, I, I, I appeared, and my friend is one of the guys who came up with the concept, the, the, uh, one of the managers. He said, look, you know, leave it up to my chefs. They'll do a tasting menu. One of the dishes that they had in there, uh, one of the, sorry, the ethics behind Fallow is using ingredients that people don't normally use, people that yeah. see as waste. So one thing was that split cod head. Yeah, yeah cod head's great. Yeah, oh, so they, they basically, eyes and all, right? <laughs> yeah. I love it. So he split the cod head. They uh, brine it, 
and then they grill it hard, and then they make their own sriracha chili, put it in a sriracha chili butter sauce. Now, I took a, uh, my first girlfriend for 25 years. Hello. Uh, on a, that was my first date. Oh, there. that's a, that's a big first date. date. Yeah. Right. And, and that's there's, sushi, yeah. There's cod. <laughs> there's cod in, I like to say I'm a you know, genius for doing that. A visionary, not really. It was just, but <laughs> per chance is a mate. So, uh, so um, this head arrives at probably course number four. Is that first date food? Cod head? Hot that's cod a head? bold yeah. first yeah. date. Like. It's not first date. It, it <laughs> because it was for somebody else. I mean, they'll get this big head there and there's the jowl, the cheeks, you know, there's so much flesh around yeah, yeah. there, but you wouldn't know where to get it from unless you were a chef. Yeah. See, you would have been yeah, winning that night. I won that night. It was for, <laughs> for my date, who is still my girl. I had one date, 25 years, and I'm with her. Sorry, you thought you could be, do a bit better. No, really. seriously. <laughs> okay, she's not here. So, um, no, she's fantastic. But, um, uh, but yeah, just to be able to show her mm. where all the flesh is, it's really, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's a, a really lovely thing. And, and I love that kind of cooking. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's sort of pure, but you don't see that often on, it's hard to find restaurants that are serving it in that way, because it's a confident thing to do, and you've got to be doing it properly if you're going to be serving it in that way. You right? do have to be confident. Also, you've got to have time to brine it. Yeah. And yeah, you yeah. need big, I mean, if you're doing that, Yeah, you need stone. big space to brine that, yeah. 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 And they're, they're selling 20 odd a day. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, that's a lot of space, a lot of, yeah. a lot of salt. Yeah. Paul, any good overrated ingredients, processes that you think like? And more ingredients-wise, I know we went through some of these recently, so, but I mean, the biggest one for me is souffle, yeah. as you know. <laughs> just, they're just so bloody boring. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Like, it's just eggy, warm air and <laughs> with a little bit of flavour. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't get why, the, why does wow. it? Yeah, but... It is that, isn't it? It's the I wow of like, oh, it's yeah, risen. has it risen? Has it the not? jeopardy? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, Especially you know. for TV shows, like, yeah, they love it. Ooh. And if you yeah, put in yeah. a souffle on the menu, it bloody should rise. Like, <laughs> if you put it on, you should be able to do it. And it's yeah. not that hard. Yeah. And, uh, it really isn't. And you can get the process. You want to perfect your processes, but sometimes you think, oh my god, is that going to work? And it does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you can you can make them and you can pop them in the freezer or service and just really? heat them up and, do, and they're perfect. So they're not, there is jeopardy of time, but still just eating them, it's just hot mush. Yeah, it's not the reward, is it? Oh, yeah. Often, Especially when you put gold leaf on top of oh, that. Oh, don't. And then there's two in one there. Honestly, dude, yeah. yeah. Paul's do. gold leaf is like his, he absolutely oh, despises it. I've never seen a point of it. It's decadence. <laughs> there's no flavour. No. I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, it's, it's I mean, the definition of superficial, like, Behavior, yeah, oh, it's you just can have horrible. gold, gold yeah. leaf and then go through airport security and not get. Buzzed. Oh, I don't know. Actually, I have yeah. no idea. Yeah. Here we go. It's another reason not to like it. You might yeah. get yeah. Every, all the reasons. Yeah. It, yeah, don't get it. If you close your eyes, you can't even feel it on your tongue. Yeah, yeah. it's that thin. But there must be a because uh, even the some of the nicest places still will place a little bit on the top of a dessert. Or some a of my good friends do in the yeah, industry. Yeah. And like, what, how do you talk about it with them? Oh, I take the piss out of them. <laughs> yeah. do, you, do you look them still in the eye and go? Um, come on. Yeah, just, just <laughs> rip up. We had Adam Smith at Salt recently to do a dinner upstairs, and he said, I specifically didn't bring the gold leaf tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Good, because I would have thrown it out. <laughs> but there, are, there is a big trend. Uh, you know, like you'll see that, um, was it Salt Bay with the gold leaf? Oh, that was just grotesque. We'd like, completely covered a tomahawk. Oh, yeah, yeah. But you yeah. know that that tomahawk's suffering in there. Yeah, yeah it's just absolutely sweating. Absolutely, yeah. Oh. yeah. With, I think Salt Bay's... Is he on the? 
is it the bell curves? I think it's closing. I think, I, I think he took enough money in one month to retire. Yeah. I think <laughs> it was his price to say he doesn't care. He got, he got 12 months out of it. Well, yeah. I, it was interesting because we were talking about Marcus Waring the other day in an interview. He's, and Michael, you know, not in a horrible way, but Marcus Waring, well, he's media savvy and he's quite, you know, he does, mm. you know he'll say the right thing. Yeah. But he confidently called out Salt Bay being like the most overrated thing going in London. Yeah, Salt yeah, Bay's yeah. restaurant. But he did say, because it was on Top Jaw, wasn't it? And he, yeah. he said he's been to the one in Turkey and it was nice. Yeah. So and it was well priced. It was well yeah, priced there. Yeah. Where he, yeah, where he got famous. But they've just gone grow. They go for a particular market, don't they? Like, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, people who haven't got a clue about food. Yeah. yeah. But I've got a great Insta following. So it's yeah, fine. and loads of money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's a good show, isn't it? And how he's got away with it with the Instagram. Yeah, it's like, it's, yeah, you're right. It's a lesson in marketing, if nothing else. But yeah. And what, I think I was a bit like, Whatever, let him do his thing. He just annoyed me when it got to the World Cup final, and that was, I was finished that. then. Yeah, <laughs> like no, come on, leave Messi alone. He did alone. a John Terry, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. leave Messi <laughs> alone. Yeah. Um, any other overrated? I, I was going to say John Terry in what co- what context? No, just joking. Oh yeah, <laughs> not in a Wayne Bridge context. <laughs> in, a, in a very much a posing with the trophy context. Okay. okay. What? Uh, any other overrated ingredients, processes that you think just is not worth it, or do you want to move on to under? Uh, no, I mean I think process like. Making mayonnaise. We all love making mayonnaise, but realistically, you know... Mm. So you wouldn't make it at home? No. No. Absolutely not. I've got, you know, um, Hellman's sitting there in my fridge. Yeah. Not Heinz, though. No, no, no. Heinz is gross. It's got a bit of a tart, sweet It does. It's not good. But yeah, but Hellman's, fantastic. And you're not going to sit at home whisking your, you know, your little yolks and your oil together. Actually, I have been known to do that, but (laughs) seriously... Do you know, it's, re- it's, it's, it's reassuring to hear chefs like yourself say that life's too short to whisk your own mayonnaise. Like, yeah, because like, realistically, a jar of mayonnaise, it lasts a few weeks at home, you, you, and you can't make two portions, so yeah. it's just a bit silly sometimes, isn't yeah, it? So true. Yeah. 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 But no. Um, any, any more from you, mate, or underrated? Mm. Do you want to go underrated? Um, it's quite hard, because it's all, like you say, you could say the wrong thing, because a lot of people do these different procedures, but, you know, I mean, I think everything about... There's a big fan about fermentation, but I, we were all fermented for years. But you know, somehow yeah. fermentation was like everybody to ferment everything. But we've all been fermenting yeah, well, things, making beer and sourdough for years. It's yeah, yeah. it's all a form you know, of fermentation. Black, how about black beans? You know, black bean yeah. sauce has been, you know, uh, pork chow suey, kimchi. Pork chow suey is just about a thousand year old recipe. Really? Yeah, and you know, and it's still the same. And they use fermented beans, and so we've always used fermentation. Uh, but it was the word on the menu, wasn't it? Fermented this, fermented that. Yeah, but yeah, you had to add it in. When I used to do a bit of it, I don't do so much now. I just didn't write it on the menu. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't feel like I needed to tell someone because mm. it put some people off, but it's still a great thing. Oh, we love, I love the process, but it's mm. the fact that there was fermentation on the menu. This is fermented, that's fermented. <laughs> but it was the same it's as... It's a buzzword. Um, it becomes yeah. a buzzword, doesn't it? It was the same. When I was a young age chef, it was the same as water baths got popular. A lot yeah. of people were using them wrong, and mm. I fell into it as well. You'd write the temperature on the menu. Did you? And I quickly stopped. Did yeah. You? I can't yeah, imagine like, you doing that. But I think I took it from Sats. We were doing it there, and it'd be yeah. like 40 degrees salmon or... 58 degree this. And then <laughs> well, after a few somebody. months, I was like, that sounds <laughs> a bit <laughs> wanky, yeah. <laughs> that is bad. Yeah. Okay, let's, uh, let's do underrated. Like, we've already touched on Marmite. I think that's one of Paul's favourite ingredients that's underrated and not used enough. But are there any underrated ingredients or processes that you think we need to be doing more of this or get this oh, on menus more? Garum. I love garum. Oh, garum's great. I haven't uh, used a lot of it, but it's so good. Well, yeah. 
because we, we're down in, in Cornwall, so we make garums. We, we try to utilise everything that we can do. So, you know, one of the things that chefs do do is that we use every single piece of ingredient. And mm. it's not only because we think we're clever, yeah. but it's cost-effective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We and can see that end, And it's But I think, you know, people get these, uh, they look at a dish, and they go, wow, that's going to be quickly flashed here, that's been done there. But did they know the process behind my exo sauce or how long I've been fermenting? Oh, I'll use that fermentation, damn it. Uh, but <laughs> how long the processes are before you get to that dish? And, you know, people just see the finished article and they of don't course, yeah. see the nitty gritty mm. and the preparation, the time. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think that's, that's painful, yeah. Sure. Yeah, I, I, for me, the underrated things are the things that just that we all know and they're really common and taken for granted really not the unheard of things like lemon juice the importance of it mm. people have lemons at home but you're not mm. you know you finish your sauce with it even if it's even if it was like a nice gravy that you've finished you've the tiniest bit of lemon juice that, just that blew my difference. mind when you said that because of things like I understood when you're like lemon juice needs to be used more we need to get more acid in these bits these bits and then you're like gravy and things I was like what yeah. like in yeah. my head I was like what Imagine if you've got a fatty sauce more. but you never want to taste yeah. the lemon but it's doing a really important job like mm. anything like that like we take that ingredient for granted. We use it in the kitchen all the time, but at home people don't yeah. don't no, think oh, about using it. Yeah, never. There is a real balance there, but there's some chefs that get away without using citrus. But you know, I always feel like yeah, it needs or another you form know, of acidity. I've been to their restaurants. You go, you're not missing from that. Yeah, a bit of citrus. Yeah, wow. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, really? it is true. You can really taste the difference. Do you find uh, just on that? Do you find it easy to go out and just let your shoulders drop, not analyze what you, what's in front of you, and just eat it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You bet. Uh, you know, <laughs> okay. I, I love the fact. You know, dining out is it's not about me being a pompous git and analyzing, pulling apart food. It's about enjoying the experience. Exactly. Yeah. The people that you're with. I don't go out there singularly by myself. I'm not saying that some people do. Well, yeah. I don't know many. I don't know many chefs yeah. that do. I know one or two that do go out there and they're really critical. Oh, but awful. like, you're not enjoying yourself. Relax. Uh, you're yeah. spending a lot of money, like, yeah. or, or getting looked after by a friend, but still like hypercritical. Yeah. But also, it's about you're learning from the chef that you're they're cooking and feeding. You're enjoying their experience, and you know, I mean, that's what it's all about when you dine out. It's all about breaking bread, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. and I find I appreciate it more as working mm. in hospitality. Yeah, you appreciate being looked after more. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, we and I think that's the embarrassing thing. People go, "Oh, drinks on the house." <laughs> yeah, because yeah. they all know you're in hospitality. You go, oh, God. And, and, but it, it, you know, and that comes off their their profile line. But it's so nice to be recognised. We do the same thing for hospitality. We see them come yeah. in, it's like, yeah, yeah. chuck them a bottle of champagne uh, because you want to show their appreciation. Because we work bloody hard in this industry. Mm. I'm not. So when I do dine out, I don't want to. You know, I'm not there to pull food apart. Of course not. But no. More than anything, I learn from dining there and I will go, hey, you know, we're like magpies, aren't we, chefs? Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, Some worse than others. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But you'll see a process go, well, that'll go really well with this dish that I'm doing or something like that. And yeah. we kind of, you know, sh you know, see something and go, ah, oh, mm. that's, that's amazing. Now, I, I just been to, recently, to a three-star restaurant called uh, Martin Berestigi, uh, yeah. just out of San Sebastian. I've never been to one before. <laughs> Ooh, that was unbelievable yeah. and you know when you're in a free start don't you you, you do yeah. yeah right from the very very start and um well it's interesting you say that because we were talking about marco pl white's interview the other day where he was saying 
that even he believes that the third most important part about dining out is the taste of the food. Mm. Second is the company and first is the service. So I agree. At, at the three star places, is it all that other... You, know, you just said from the moment I arrived. No, I didn't talk just... to my girlfriend at all. I just looked at the food and <laughs> tasted that food. No, no, I was a bit quieter than normal. I was a bit quieter. And, and I think Mark Pierre White is absolutely right. Um, I mean, you're not going to say he isn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. For fear of yeah, getting fear beaten of up, but no, no. Uh, but no, the fact is, it's right. I mean, it doesn't matter how good your dish is. If some, if you have bad service, it leaves a sour taste in your mouth, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, absolutely. It, you forget, yeah. you forget the good stuff. You forget what you had that was good. Yeah. yeah. And us chefs have just got to do the best that we can. We are here. It's not about our egos. We're here to actually. We're, we're serving people good food and if people want something done in a certain way we just goddamn do it and we we're, we're, and at the end of the day we can break us down as chefs I think you know yep. there's assholes and there's nice guys but essentially one thing that you know makes us the same brethren or and sisterhood is that we want to really please people we're people pleasers yeah, we can't yeah, think so of true. anything better than cooking a good meal and somebody saying compliments the chef and that makes our year Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it really you, does. You've spoken several times about when you've opened Salt and because of the, the past looks over the kitchen, your eyes and mind just gravitate to people's reactions in the room and you can't help yourself. Yeah, and mm. you, you remember why you started it. Like, you know, we've spoken before about how you can really get carried away with yeah, awards or, you know, accolades or different review sites or even the business side of it. But then you do, you get these little moments where you remember, that's why I started doing this. So yeah. I chose it as a vocation, not a job. Absolutely. Just that person, they've had a great night, they're going to remember that. Mm. You know, they shared that food and their eyes lit up. Yeah, That's it, I think yeah, that's essentially it, isn't it? We don't give a toss about profit. Obviously, we've got to make profit. <laughs> we've got to make ends meet. But really, we just want to make people happy. That's yeah. Yeah. seriously all, all Everything else takes care home, of itself it? if you're focused on that. That's why I'm not in charge of accounts, by yeah. the way. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we've only got just over 10 minutes left, but we wanted to get some Boiling Point stories in, which is a staple of the podcast, so everyone listening will be really keen to hear yours. Um, Boiling point stories are basically times in the kitchen where either you've lost your shit on someone or vice versa, someone's lost their shit on you, like the real heat of the kitchen. So uh, do you want to go first, Jude, or do you want Paul to go first? You know, I I, I can go with a simple story. I mean, basically, I'm I'm not... (laughs) You can see I'm quite chilled. I cannot imagine you losing your shit. I I know that I'm very stern, and I'll make sure I get my point across and make sure that nobody mucks about, but we have a lot of fun in our kitchens. It's all about we get the, the prep out of the way. We have fun during prep, but that prep's going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. When it comes to service, God, service is fun. That's yeah. where, the, you know, it's about energy and Adrenaline, buzz. Adrenaline, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, I love it. And we become adrenaline junkies, basically. Yeah. I love that. But it's not about me, but I, I can't name hotels or people. No, you so can't. No, can. <laughs> <laughs> but I, um, I was just taking over uh, a nice hotel in London as executive chef. And uh, I had this, uh, the old executive chef was there for, the, for a couple of weeks, just as a handover. Um, there were a couple of restaurants, it's quite a busy place. I mean, they had a lot of chefs in there and um, busy. It was, it was great, absolutely fantastic. But uh, there was this one night, so it was about, about to do with this, this old uh, executive chef. Anyway, we're doing service, it was a busy night. This one chef put up a hot starter and it was, wasn't quite right and the chef, the old hair chef goes, yeah. what are you doing? That's not right. Bring it down. Do it again. And the guy begrudgingly took it down, did it again. 
Uh, and, you know, the night we carried on, you know, about half an hour later, uh, that same chef doing hot stars put up a dish. And the old executive chef goes, what the hell are you doing? How many effing times do I have to tell you not to put it up if it's got this? This guy turned around with this knife and goes, you hate me. I hate you. And, it's, and, this, and the, the chef was not having a situation. What are you doing, you big weirdo? Put your friggin' knife down. And I said, hey, 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 hey. So you, I'm going to stick you, you bastard. What? And I said, hey, I said, look, okay, look, 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 look. Stop, stop, stop. Mate, honestly, just settle down. It's okay. The executive chef's going, I'm in you, executive chef. He's going in a week. Why don't you just cool down, <laughs> put your knives down, put them away, come and see me tomorrow morning, okay? Just come down. Yeah. I'll make sure he's not here. And the oldest executive chef goes, yeah, go home, you idiot. It's like, wait, <laughs> just, just stop <laughs> it. it. Couldn't leave yeah, it. Like, oh, yeah, my God. So I thought, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's yeah. the first couple of days, there's new jobs. The oldest executive chef's going to die. <laughs> uh, so anyway, the next day, the, the guy comes Comes back as high chef. Yeah, sorry about last night. He said, um, so uh, when am I on? I said, you're fired, mate. <laughs> I said, you can't come into my bloody kitchen and brandish a knife. You should be going to bloody prison. Now, if you don't mind, collect all your stuff. I can't have somebody like you in my bloody kitchen. You know, so get out. Okay. Wow. But you had to defuse it. Yeah, don't worry, dear. Uh, I hate you too. <laughs> As if you came back the next day thinking, oh, this will blow over. Yeah, you say, oh, yeah. But you had to make some of that. But what, how do you defuse a situation like oh, that? It's like, man, it was like, oh, my God. This is awful. <laughs> and I've never seen that in the kitchen before. I've never seen that kind of like I've, that. No, we've not, had, of, we've not had too many ser- stories like that where people are brandishing knives on each other. No, we, 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 had one, we won't say who it is, but we had to delete from the pod yeah, we with did. a similar story. But, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't use names. So there we go. Yeah, very All good. hotels. You did well there. Yeah, <laughs> did really well. But that must feel completely alien to you, though. Knives branded at work to people. Oh, honestly, I mean... <laughs> The most, in working in media through the years, the most serious thing you get is someone accusing you of taking too much milk from their carton in the fridge. Like, <laughs> honestly, yeah. just, it's honestly, it's not the same world. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the same world. Who saw like. my service trays? <laughs> yeah. It's honestly like that. Yeah. What about you, man? What's, uh, what's your point? Uh, well, you convinced me to go... F- through an old yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. I, I wanted a classic. Which does make me cringe. I want you to bring out the classic. Oh, yeah. I don't know if Marie knows this, this one. one. <laughs> um, so yeah, this was, you, you'll appreciate this, how pressured it is opening a restaurant. Yeah. Right? And this was, you know, my baby, I'd put everything into it. And I was obsessed, a little bit too obsessed. Mm. I think it was a place I was in at the time. And um, we, uh, we're a town centre restaurant. So we had re- we've got really tiny bins. And I get charged, as I do, if they're overweight, things yeah. like that. So, and the bottom line was tight in those early days. So everything. I was over absolutely everything. And, You're obsessed. Uh, Good man. Like, obsessed. So you should be. But like, too much. All right. Yeah. So um, we put the bins out on, on an evening. They'd get emptied. And then I, uh, I went to bring them in. And I checked one of the bins. And there was like, about three bin bags in it. So how, how are there bin bags in this? So they're not us. I was fuming. It's like, someone's used our bits. <laughs> <laughs> so picked them up. I took the, they threw the back of the restaurant into the bin area, took the bin bags out, got some gloves on, opened them up. That is so I'm going to find their addresses. <laughs> Honestly, can you imagine? I was going the middle through of the these night. bins. And this was a Saturday morning. We had busy service and I was in earlier, but I was just fuming. I was like, how dare they? He's going to charge me extra. And it was all full of beer bottles and everything. They had a party and then dumped them sort of 
in the early hours after our bins had been collected, about four or five yeah. or whatever. Um, yeah, and I found an address, and it was about two streets away. So I like, rebagged them up. I was like, right, got these bin bags, marched down the street, <laughs> banged on their door. <laughs> no answer. So I just dropped them in front of their, um, in front of their door. And it's terrace housing where it is, so wow. like, I put them against the door, so when they opened it, they would have fell straight <laughs> in. <laughs> that is brilliant. Went back that? and I told uh, Laura and Gibbo, because like, so my head chef and sous chef now, they've been with me since day one. Um, they saw me out the back thinking, oh, what's Chef doing now? Uh -oh. just, we'll just leave him to it. We'll get on with prep. <laughs> and I told them, and they, I remember the look they give me, like, are you okay? Is that yeah, that's right? not cool. <laughs> it, do, it does make me cringe a bit now, but yeah, it's funny you I can appreciate that. the place I was in. So you, you wouldn't do that now? No. Could you confidently tell me that? Even I, I wouldn't do that now. No. We get a little bit long on there, too. I'd go, I will tell you another story, because that reminds me of uh, what it's like to be an owner. But it was about Simon Gott, which I mentioned earlier, my old executive chef. And uh, his restaurant was massive. I mean, you know, it's chef, it's chef of the Year, Restaurant of the Year. It's 200 seats. We were doing like 800 people in the summertime. It is mayhem. They had different sections. One, two, three, four upstairs. But three was in front of the kitchen. Simon would waltz in, as he does, you know. Halfway through, he says, right, boys? <laughs> and they'll be like, yeah, yeah, Simon, it's all good. And uh, the waiter, the, the major D there, uh, said, oh, sorry, um, th this lady over here, uh, she was, you know, complaining about something. And Simon's tempestuous. He's got a nasty little temper. He goes, what was it all about? And, and Robert is his name. I said, look, it's about... She didn't think it was quite right. And uh, Simon goes, don't worry, I'll, I'll go out there and talk to her. I said... Chef, are you sure? Do you really want to go out and chat to us? No, no, it'll be cool, it'll be cool. Uh, anyway, he goes out there, and it seems to be going okay. And then about five minutes later, he goes, uh, why don't you... Fout off. Yeah. Sorry, can I say that? I can't yeah, yeah, say that you can. You say and uh, get out. Don't bother paying that bill. You can go piss off. Oh this is in front of a patch. Bloody restaurant. And <laughs> these tempestuous chefs. I mean, you know, it is quite, yeah, it's that quite difficult, yeah, yeah, when you've got dealing with characters like that. There might have been the old Paul. <laughs> yeah. I, I have kicked a few guests out of my restaurant, but before I kick them out, I charge them online and then kick them out every time. That yeah. sums you up perfectly. Yeah. No, I rate like it. They, I rate it. Like they win a if double, they get away for a free. double hit. Yeah. 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 No, no. She was a bit of a scammer. The lady I do remember, and she just she, she dined with no intention of of paying. She Crazy. came in by herself. We're talking about dining by yourself today, and it, yeah, it's not like. Mm, she was dying by herself. She was being very odd. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Um, cool. Last few bits before we go. We normally do some cooking hacks and myths for mm -hmm. listeners. So people maybe not necessarily working in kitchens, but any like little cooking hacks from your, your experience that you, you can help people in their home kitchens or even a myth that you can dispel for people like, stop doing that. It's a waste of everyone's time. Anything oh. you got for us? I know. It's, it's always just add butter. And yeah. butter. And butter. We, we joke about like you would have a star without butter. I know, yeah, yeah. butter got me a star. Yeah. Just the food, uh, just be, that's it. Just butter. That's your next restaurant, butter, <laughs> yeah. salt, yeah. butter, and those are two main ingredients. Exactly. And, uh, but yeah, it's all about just make sure you're seasoning everything perfectly. That's that's key. Thing. Uh, Paul bangs on about that all the time. No, in a good way, but like, yeah. especially like, la <laughs> Sorry, yes. but, like <laughs> but like layers of seasoning as yeah, well. Like, not layers. just at the end or not just at the beginning. It's like yep. doing it throughout the process. Absolutely, uh, tasting, yeah, yeah. tasting as you're cooking. Try everything because at home when you're doing these processes, and I think that's the, the thing about people that try recipes and not sure what they're cooking. And it, Keep on tasting, thinking about what you've got to add. And the things you've got to add is always, it's always acid, yeah. salt, sugar, 
you know, or a fat that will make mm. it taste better. And just keep on tasting. Yeah. Keep on tasting. And just ask questions. Is it right? Can it be better? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does it need more fat? Does it need more salt? Does it? Ask yourself the question, and that's how you learn. I, s- I sometimes worry, if I'm trying of a night with a proper meal, I worry that I get blind by it, though. Because mm. I don't have the experience. So I'm worried that I add salt, I add a bit more, like, and I've lost perspective now. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm, am mm. I right? Am I wrong? Like, you start, you start second-guessing it almost. I, 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 I guess it's just like anything... I, I obviously have to test myself as well. Sometimes it can be a little bit heavy-handed. Mm. But you always got to test yourself as well. So it's just something that you got to get used to, yeah, your yeah, own salt levels. But also things like fish. Don't be scared of cooking fish. And uh, I think people find fish very hard to cook at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but There's fine margins, isn't it, between things being overcooked and undercooked in a fish world. There's more forgiving meats that can get away with cooking times a little bit more. But, Absolutely, uh, but with I, fish. Think, I think that's it. People cook too hot. Yeah. And, and for yeah. me, it's slower. Everything's like a medium heat. If my meat's medium heat, my mm. fish is medium heat. Interesting. Letting that, that, you know, the skin or the, the, the surface of the protein just get crispy and colorful, just, you know, medium heat, turning, and then, you know, basting it with butter at the end. Yeah. I, I like, you've got more control over your, your uh, fish. Um, and, yeah, it's... it's you don't want any smoking anywhere. I hate smoking hot pans. Really? Unless you're going to blacken something. Sure. But, you know, when it comes to protein, it's like, you know, control. One control. of my biggest pet hates is when people flare their pan. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. a fire. <laughs> it just ruins the flavour of the food. Yeah. Like, yeah. Instantly. When chefs are doing that, shaking it and flaming yeah. it. Oh, they do it for the TV. Bin it, bin it straight away. Bin it's bin only it. for shows. That we yeah, do it's the amount of times show. I've had photographers in different kitchens. Oh, can you flare that pan for the photo? Like, absolutely not. I've been looking great on the photo. Yeah. Me, I won't be doing that. I'm exactly the same. It's like, no, because we're spoiling the like flavor. a cowboy. <laughs> I mean, it looks great on the photo. So what? <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, so yeah. Any from you, mate? Any good cooking hacks, myths to round us off? I think just going down the pasta line. Um, so, like, there's three main ones. Don't put oil in your pasta water. Mm. Yeah. Don't throw your spaghetti at the wall to see if it's cooked. <laughs> <laughs> just what, what you're doing, you're making a mess. Yeah. Taste, what, the, what is it. that supposedly testing? Well, whether it's, if like, it sticks to the wall. But as soon as the starch starts coming out, it's going to stick anyway. Whether it's over or under. Over or under. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's, it's not. Stupid. And then the next one is... Pasta water doesn't thicken anything. It's yeah. rubbish. It's yeah. a big one. But it just you loosens. See, yeah. You hear people, maybe it's just like a slip of the tongue, but you hear people say it all the time, and professional chefs like, just get a bit of that pasta water to thicken the sauce. But that's... Eh, r- that's all wrong. the starchy bits in there. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. There's not enough starch yeah. in there. No, not even close. It yeah, just I'm not going to go it. down that. I'll be here for ages ranting about that. But, but it is about <laughs> the sauce and like about al dente and putting that pasta into your sauce and letting it finish in the sauce and cooking it through. So yeah. It's starting to you know, take on all that flavour before it gets that perfect texture. Actually, one of the last things we'll say just before we go, so Paul's next book is How to Cook Pasta Properly. Oh, shit. Which is coming out really, <laughs> <laughs> coming out really soon. Oh, as um, I had, I'm going to get Jude up here as a test. I'm going to sit there with my chalkboard. Yeah, is in wrong, wrong, wrong. Paul, when he was researching it, found obviously loads of different bolognese recipes, Ooh. even within Italy, but also, and trying to adapt to it. And there's loads of... Couple of key key ones with bolognese with yours when you do it at home or whatever. What is and isn't in your bolognese? You know what? Uh, I just made a bolognese last night. Strange enough, no so way. My, my, my son's uh, at home, seventeen. Uh, he's got a couple of mates. He's got to do a bolognese, but well, he didn't do anything. I just made a bolognese for him. Yeah, a bolognese sauce, and uh, you know, always in there, onions, yep. celery, Carrot. carrots, uh, garlic or, or no garlic. 
I actually put garlic in there. I think so it needs cool. garlic. Yeah. It needs garlic in the yeah, sofrito. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I like bacon. We've got some bacon in there. I had pancetta, even better. But, you know, bolognese for me tends to be at home, and uh, it's what's not quite what's in the fridge. Okay, if there's a pepper in the fridge, that goes in. Oh, Mushrooms really? goes in there. Wow. Uh, but, yeah, it is kind of like, uh, for me, if there's no pepper, fine, because you don't need pepper in there. But, mm-hmm. but if you've got it, you'll put day, it in. Yeah, um, whole peeled tomatoes, squished. Um, I, uh, you always need, uh, when I'm frying off my meat, there's like a, a deglaze of soy sauce in there. Ooh, uh, and, hello. And Liam Perrins. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. So a little spoon of Marmite in the end is great. Oh, yeah, as well. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A little do you, ever, do you ever finish it with milk? Oh, you see, I have been to Bologna. Yeah. And I love it. I think it's Absolutely. great. Oh, yeah. So good. That changed yeah. the game when I realized that. It was only a couple yeah. of years ago, and you put milk in at the end, it's like, it's unbelievable. It's yeah, so yeah, good. yeah. But um, the one in Bologna is completely different. There's no tomato. No tomatoes uh, in it. No. Yeah. And, uh, Crazy. But it was delicious. You gotta, when you win in, in the town, you've got to taste. I went in Rome or in Bologna this time. You you do as they do, and their ragu bolognese. Is, oh, yeah, it's um, nice. I was out there last year. Yeah, it's nice. Great city, isn't doing it? Research. Oh, oh. Doing research. Doing yeah, well, jolly research. Al, Al Grasso yeah. are the uh, big <laughs> fat, isn't it? As they call it. Yeah. yeah. Oh God, it's so good. Mm. Great city if you haven't been. Well, um, a comforting bolognese is a good place to sort of lead things. Sorry, we can t- talk to you longer, but we should do an even proper. Over a few more beers and glasses of wine episode with you at Salt if you oh, yeah, you get, get you up for that definitely. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Thanks Thank to everyone you. for listening. Yeah. And, Thank uh, you. Yeah, enjoy the rest of the festival, Jude. I'll, I'll try to now. Now I can let my hair down and uh, <laughs> and uh, relax a little bit. So yeah, <laughs> awesome, nice one. Let's go. Thank for, you for uh, inviting me, by the way. Absolutely, so great. No a real Thank joy you. talking to you guys. I will watch your podcast. Absolutely amazing. So oh, thank you very much. It's very kind. Thank you. Should we head up to Sharps? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You can yeah, get nice some beers. Perfect. <laughs> Thanks very much. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. Thank you. Give it up one more time for the Nightcap Podcast. Thanks so much for downloading the Nightcap podcast. We appreciate the support and we'd love to know that you are enjoying the pod. And now you can become a proud member of the Nightcap podcast tribe. Along with our weekly catch-ups and up-and-coming series with more amazing guests, we've created some bespoke Nightcap podcast clothing, which you can get online now. We've teamed up with our friends at T-Mill to create t-shirts and hoodies in various sizes, colours and fits for both men and women. Yeah, we chose T-Mill for several reasons. They make these clothes with 100% natural materials using organic materials that are better for the environment. They use the sun and wind to power the production of these products, plus they they will send you your order in packaging made from plants, not plastics. And the best thing is they look great and they feel great. You can just tell their quality so there's no knockoff merch here. Yeah, it's as simple as this. Go to thenightcap.tmill.com. That's thenightcap.tmill.com to order your Nightcap podcast merch now.